When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs is sponsored by AAA Heating and Air. Their premier HVAC company in the Midlands is growing. Are you a top HVAC technician? AAA Heating and Air is looking for dedicated applicants to fill their fast-growing service department with top-notch HVAC technicians. If you're the best, then they want you. If you're ready to stop working and start a career, you can earn up to $100,000 plus a year at AAA Heating and Air. Quality candidates will have at least two years' experience and a good driving record. Benefits include top industry salaries, commission on service and unit sales, set call limits, company-provided take-home vehicle and gas card, company-provided cell phone and tablet, health, dental, and vision benefits, 401k retirement plan with company match and scaled PTO based on length of service. Contact Roy and Dana Finley at 803-677-1500 or check out their job postings on Facebook or ZipRecruiter. Triple A air when you need us. Triple A heating and air. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs, founded by Firemen. With Chris Clark. The 2007 South Carolina class was, at that time, sixth in the country and fourth in the SEC. It's just amazing. Wes Mitchell. You know, I think if you're South Carolina, you're you're aiming to, to at least be at 50%. Then in theory, you're adding talent, you're getting better, you're putting yourself in a position to compete. And Tyler Head. It's been a great week for South Carolina. On the recruiting front, still certainly plenty to talk about. On the home of the Gamecocks, 107.5 The Game. And welcome into the Gamecocks Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Here on 107.5 The Game, Tyler, Wes, and Chris along with you on this Wednesday morning. Uh, Guys, I should probably ask, were either one of you out at Founders Park last night for this baseball game by chance? No. No. Well, that's good because Colin Taylor apparently had a miserable experience sitting through nearly two hours of weather delays for a game that should have ended at about 7 o'clock and didn't end until about 9.30 last night because not a drop of rain hit, but we all know those lightning delays are taken very seriously. And this game uh, took quite a while to finish that ninth inning last night. Yeah, and unfortunately that was not the worst thing that happened at Founders Park last night. The on-field outcome, I think, was... Far worse. That was South Carolina's first real, honestly, like bad loss of the year. Obviously, this stretch has been ugly for South Carolina fans to watch. But as far as the opponents go in these midweeks, for the most part, they've held up their end of the bargain and beaten beaten teams actually at a at a better pace than almost any other team in the country. Right. Uh, you know the Charlotte loss. I mean, that was a pretty good team, and it was in Charlotte. But uh, you know, North Florida at home in the middle of this sort of stretch where they've been scuffling. Worst possible time for this to happen. Yeah, if anything else, last night could have been a confidence builder that you needed to, like you said, just at least in that skid before you go on the road to take on another highly ranked team in Arkansas this weekend before you wrap up the regular season at home against Tennessee. And similarly to what we've seen them do these past couple weeks, you get yourself in a hole very early, Eskew giving up those five runs there in the third inning, and then you're having to battle back and claw your way back for the rest of the game and uh, just end up coming up short once again. 
Yeah, it, it, it's been a struggle. Um, you know, after the Florida sweep, you're looking at a, at a series loss against Auburn, right? You, you win a with midweek. almost said mid-meek. Midweek against Winthrop at Winthrop. Obviously, you're swept by Kentucky and you lose to North Florida. Now, none of that has been good except for winning that last game against Auburn. I think that was actually pretty important. We've discussed that. You get the midweek win against Winthrop. That was nice. Obviously, they're scuffling. They're, they're on a skid. There's no doubt about that. It's not been fun. It's not been pretty to watch. The injuries are obvious. Um, some of the situational hitting has let them down as of late. The pitching has let them down as of late, even the guys that have been excellent throughout the year. And so the question is, not, is, is now whether or not this team can dig out. We know that as soon as this weekend, potentially, they may be able to get some more guys back or at least more involved. We saw Will McGillis as a pinch runner last night. He may be able to get more involved. Let's see about Braylon Wimmer. Let's see what happens with this team. I do think it's been a little bit extreme, some of the reactions, right? And I think when you get kind of in the bubble of watching a particular team and there's some struggles, when there haven't been struggles for much of the season, this team isn't that far removed from sweeping Florida, who, by the way, is really, really good. I think you can kind of lose perspective and say everything's gone wrong. Um, it could be that this team has officially gone the wrong direction and maybe they don't really recover and it's not the type of season that we thought it could be. But we don't know that. And, and look at some of these other teams. The, the team that South Carolina is going to go play this weekend, Arkansas, is really good. And if South Carolina was playing how they were a few weeks ago, they could still go to Fayetteville and lose this series because that's how good Arkansas is. But but look at what Arkansas has done recently. At the end of last month, they got swept at Georgia. Swept. They then turned around and lost to Missouri State. Then they swept A&M, and they lost a midweek to Lipscomb Powerhouse. So, you know, I mean, have some perspective and recognize that, yes, this is a skit, and it's not good, it's not fun, it's not pretty. But they're also not doing it at complete full strength. And so right. can they turn it around? It's going to be tough because now you've got to go to Arkansas to try to do that. Right. And with guys coming back, we saw Lee Croy in the lineup uh, again last night um, playing second base. He still is nursing that hamstring injury. McGillis was attempting to come back for last night, was experiencing some pain in that arm uh, during batting practice, so still not quite a full go yet, and we'll still, of course, wait to see what happens with Braylon Wimmer, but the optimism that these guys could possibly be back for this weekend, which, like you said, will only, you know, help out things, because God bless Comasina. He's given it his best effort at third base. That's not his natural position. And once again, you saw those struggles last night, overthrows, getting let the balls get past him. Like, he's doing his best, but you, he's not your natural third baseman. Well, it's not a fair spot for him to have to be in, honestly. Playing third base at that level is difficult enough as it is. If you're a guy who's played it your whole life or played infield your whole life, uh, Messina is a catcher. He's the best catcher on the team. and A top five catcher, according to D1. You know, that, that's where he belongs. So I, I think uh, it, it's tough. I, I know why they've had to play him there, but tough to really fault him at all. And and I feel like, God, I feel like there's a lot to sort through as far as why this has happened to this point. And so I start with just the fact that baseball is the most humbling game on the planet. And, you know, I, I'm one of those guys that will sit there and watch probably 
140 of the Braves, 162 regular season games. And even at the professional level, there are days where a team looks like they literally will win every single game the rest of the way. You'll get in a stretch where you look absolutely unbeatable. And we saw South Carolina in a stretch where they were in fuego, like the entire, when your entire lineup is sort of uh, contagiously hitting. And um, you're like, man, this this is the best team in the country. There was chatter, not just here in Columbia, there was national chatter, regional chatter. Hey, the Gamecocks might be the number one team in the country. And then, again, even with the professionals, there will be a stretch where you look like you've never picked up a baseball in your life. And everything goes against you. And much like we see in other sports, the, the truth, like the, the actual reality of it is somewhere way deep in the middle of that. Um, now, that's not to say that there aren't real issues because there are. Some of this is some of the issues that you could have actually seen earlier in the year, but that they were still able to overcome. And, you know, I go back to the fact that, A, remember looking at that. Remember when we were having that conversation, we were like, man, South Carolina has the best ERA in the SEC as far as their pitching staff, but they've not gotten great starting pitching. They haven't had that top ace. So I go back to not having Noah Hall, who truly was your ace in how he was pitching, and Will Sanders not really being the Will Sanders we thought he was going to be, I think those things have eventually caught up to South Carolina. And I also think the injuries, we look at those injuries as affecting South Carolina's production at the plate, excuse me, which they have, but I also look at what that does to your pitchers when you're not making plays. Maybe they're not even errors, but... You, Kentucky, perfect example. You miss a pop fly that's over the third baseman's head, sort of in that Bermuda Triangle area. But maybe a experienced third baseman or your regular shortstop makes that play. Ball drops. A couple of pitches later, there's a ball in the gap, and it's a three-run triple. I think it was triple or double. So that doesn't go in the book at all. If you just looked at the box score it looks like your pitcher gave up three earned runs. But if you make that play versus not making that play, it's the difference in still being in the game versus now being in the spot they have been for two weeks straight, which is down early having to fight back without some of their primary hitters. Yeah, and I think when you look at just this season as its own season, this is a different team than last year. There's some different guys right or there's some similarities but you have players who've grown up you've got transfers right it's a different the mentality is different that was all obvious throughout the years so i've seen and heard some i was back to the same old same old well the same old same old this year was a team that was winning a lot they're winning almost every series they're winning heck almost every game right and to wes's point some of these things where you're playing with fire you know Mahoney, for instance. That's just first thing that came to mind. Sanders. You know, Mahoney letting some guys on base and a lot of times being able to pitch out of that. In baseball, it's going to even out. If you get guys on second and third with one out, for instance, you're not always going to be able to pitch out of that. Somebody's going to get a hit at some point. Will Sanders, if you maybe don't have your best stuff, if you're struggling with your control a little bit, sometimes that's going to come back and bite you. Noah Hall being out. 
is going to eventually come back and bite you. And then, of course, the injuries that this team have had. So what we've seen is a team that looked a lot different from last year, really. A lot of the Gamecocks teams that we've seen in the last several years, they just are in a slump. And so, again, I'll go back to what I said as we open. The question is, can they get back to what they were doing earlier in the season? Because it wasn't luck or some accident. The, the schedule this team plays, you don't stumble your way into the record that they have right now. There are things that they were doing right. Um, unfortunately, the injuries, the pitching, some of the hitting, situational, and, and just the fact that it's baseball, that has slowed them down as of late. So where does it go from here? Yeah, and just terrible timing to have yeah. the midweek loss last night. Now, they they had, what, I'm looking at now, 11 hits, nine, they drew nine walks. So you're talking about 20 base runner situations there. Um you know, it felt like they had guys on base the entire night, um, you know, several opportunities with the bases loaded. Now, some of that to go back, if you if you hit a line drive, you're Gavin Casas, bases are loaded, two outs. I'm sure that was a 100-plus exit velo line drive. It just happens to be right at the first baseman. Some of that stuff is just, hey, that that's baseball. And you had the one bad inning when you're trying to do basically – Essentially, you're, you're doing a bullpen game where you're trying to not use any of your pitchers and uh, have them all available for this coming weekend. And all it takes is one guy to be off, and you give up a big inning. Next thing you know, you're fighting it again. And it, it's kind of like when, as an individual, you're struggling. It feels like you're, feels like you're 0-2 every time you step in the box. Yeah. And... You know, the other side of that is it feels like South Carolina is down three runs every game at this point. And you can't play this game from a position of strength when you are down pretty much every single game. So uh, a lot has to change, but then at the same time, it's a snowball effect. Once you get it rolling the, the wrong way, it snowballs on you, but when it's rolling the right way, it snowballs as well. Um, they've had guys, you know, Petri has finally come back to earth and looked like a human being. Um, you know, maybe some guys behind him were, you know, I think Casas has actually started, he had struggled a little bit and has started to maybe find his stride again. Um, you know, had a big weekend in Kentucky, but it can be such a little thing that takes you from being in a groove to not in a groove. And if you're South Carolina, if you're a Gamecock fan, you have to hope the, the positive on this is that just maybe you're hitting your slump before the final stretch and you can dig out of it because every season you're going to find a slump. You'd rather do it now sure. than postseason. Now, the, the negative, you know, the other side of that is, you know, w- what if what if this is kind of just the way you're going to finish your year and you can't dig out of it? Right. Um, but the great thing about sports no, nobody knows. Sure. The, the people sitting there saying, oh, this is just a little slump. This is not who we are. They don't know. Yeah. And the people saying, oh, this team can't make it to Omaha. This is over. This is same all about. They don't know either. No matter how convicted they are, <laughs> we're all going to have to sit there and watch and see what happens. Right. And their next opportunity comes up on Friday night, taking on Arkansas on the road. First pitch for that game is at 7.30. Pre-game coverage can be heard right here on 107.5 The Game starting at 7.15. As we head into this commercial break, 
We have a text on our Firehouse Subs text line, 803-404-6100. Nameless texter says, hey, can y'all help a brother out and tell me what the sub of the day is? I think we can help you out with that. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. 107.5 The Game. I believe, Chris, today is New York Steamer Day, which is actually now number one on my list of subs. It has made um, not just a comeback. It's made a debut on my top five because I had never had pastrami until we were in, I guess that would have been Sumter last month. Uh, We're going to tell you soon about where we will be this month because we do an on-location show every single month at a local Firehouse Subs. You can join us there or just go ahead and get Firehouse Subs today. Sub of the day, every single day is $7.99 for a medium, $5.99 for a small. Firehousesubs.com. Hit the Firehouse Subs app. Rapid Rescue. Put in the New York steamer. Have it waiting for you right there on the shelf. All you got to do is grab your drink. Go enjoy a wonderful lunch from Firehouse Subs. We'll spin the wheel of Beamer on the other side. You're listening to the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs, 107.5 The Game. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs, founded by Firemen with Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell, and Tyler Head on your home of the Gamecocks, 107.5 The Game. And welcome back into the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Here on 107.5 Game, Tyler, Wes, and Chris. Along with you, Shane Beamer and uh, several of the Gamecock coaches making their way around the state with their various welcome home events. Another one last night for the Aiken-Augusta area. And we're able to get a few pieces of sound from Coach Beamer at last night's event. Which means it's time to give the Wheel of Beamer a spin. This one's pretty relevant to what we've been talking about over the past couple episodes here. This is Shane Beamer talking about what he's learned about the transfer portal recently. Um, it's been good. Um, I like the fact that the window in, in, in the springtime is smaller. It's not as long. Um, you know, December and January, those are two tough months because the transfer portal window is so big and you're balancing recruiting with high school kids or high school young men, getting ready for a bowl game, all kinds of stuff. Players making NFL decisions. There's a lot happening in December and January. Uh, this time of year is a little bit better just because it's less going on and the window's smaller, which I like as well. So still learning about it. I've learned that I like the smaller window. I know that's for sure. Um, and then you, you know... With the window in the spring, I really didn't think about it, but you going through spring practice now, you realize that you know more about your team uh, coming out of spring practice, so you maybe have a little bit more targeted needs because you've been through spring practice and you know kind of where you uh, where you may not be where you need to be from a from a depth standpoint. I think um, this window, this portal window, guys, has been a little bit more just streamlined and I would say honestly less hectic like I think the portal has gotten a little bit of maybe a bad rap or or at least in the portal window before it was kind of mass chaos like truthfully there's guys going in at all times and you know I I think we kind of wondered will the portal sort of even out a, a little bit eventually and 
and, and maybe maybe it hasn't from an overall standpoint, but I, I think this sort of two weeks just um, has been a little bit quieter than we thought. And I think for the most part, it fits more along the lines of the guys who were traditionally going to transfer, like before the transfer portal was even a thing. For you know, for South Carolina, for example, Demetrius Watson, Braden Davis. I think before the portal even existed, those are guys that probably would have looked around and said, "And eh, d- doesn't look like I'm in a situation where I'm going to play the next couple of years at South Carolina. Let me try to get somewhere where I could." With Anthony Rose, you had obviously the off the field, um, you know, situation there. So, it really, for the most part, I don't know if you see as much movement because most of the guys who are at a school and are happy and are projecting to play, they see that. So now the other side of that is you got a lot of schools who are out there saying, "Oh man, I need to bolster this position. I need to bolster that position." I don't think, Chris, there's quite as much talent floating around there available during this window as certainly as there was during the previous one. And I, I think we probably need to remember that next time around. If you're really going to fill holes and if you're really going to hit the portal, a lot of times I think your true difference makers, most of them are going to come during that early offseason post you know, right after the season, long portal window when guys are a little bit more likely to move around versus just going through an entire spring practice with their current school, making plans to go suit up here, you know, in, in three months. It's analogous, in my opinion, to when you look at the high school recruiting calendar, not not the calendar itself, but just when kids are making their decisions. So you kind of have you do have, not kind of, you have this transfer portal window around December, and then you have the one that's post-spring. And I understand why they have those, um, just like I understand why they have the ones for high school. Obviously, in high school, you're going to have the early signing period, and then you're going to have the signing period that begins on the first Wednesday of February. We think of that as signing day. It's actually a longer signing period, and typically, the vast majority of kids are going to, from the high school and the junior college ranks, they're going to make their decisions and decide in December and sign in December. When 2018 was the first cycle that we saw that in high school. And so the question that we all had, college coaches, prospects, high school coaches, media, how many kids would sign as a percentage? Would it be very few, a majority? As it turned out, it was most of them because college coaches preferred to get everybody that they possibly could in the boat that way you're not having to wait until February. It gives you a better sense of your own roster. So it's kind of that in reverse with the transfer portal. You're seeing kids, they finish up their season, and they kind of know, as Wes said, what they want to do. In some instances, you're going to see guys go through spring ball and something happens. Maybe they don't take the step that they thought they would. Some type of conversation. Maybe somebody gets in trouble. Whatever it may be, and then they enter the portal. But But it is a smaller window um not only in length but it's going to be a smaller window for obvious reasons um just for the amount of kids you get i go the thing i latched on two guys actually out of that was what beamer said about december i think we need to see personally some more changes in the recruiting calendar because it's gotten a little bit out of control 
Um, I know we, we might have some sound later with what Beamer thinks on the official visits um, in the summer, during the season, after the season. But when you look at December, so you've got the first transfer portal window. If you're a bowl team, you're preparing for bowl practice. Coaches can be on the road doing visits. And then you can be hosting kids also for visits on your own campus from the high school ranks. That's a lot. That is a whole, whole lot. Um, and then you, you, you maybe want to have Christmas, you know, if, if you can try to fit that in. So there's a lot going on there. But, but there's other times, you know, throughout the year where it's tough on coaches, you know, and they make plenty of money, sure. But the recruiting calendar, I, I think we might need to see some changes to it. December is a natural starting point for me. Yeah, we'll hit that audio from Beamer talking about the changes, uh, recruiting rule changes on the other side you're listening to. Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs on 107.5 The Game. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. 107.5 The Game. Hey, if you're a small business owner in the Midlands, think about everything you need to help your business succeed. You, of course, need a plan, happy customers, steady cash flow, but you also need an insurance agent that gets you. And State Farm agent Amy Mason Cup is a small business owner here in the Midlands also. So she understands the unique needs that you have as a local business owner. Amy Mason Cup will make it easy to choose the right protection for your business at the right price. Because one thing you definitely don't need is insurance stress. Call State Farm agent Amy Mason Cup for your small business insurance needs today. You can reach her team at 803-772-5554 or visit her website, amymasoncup.com. That's A-M-Y. M-A-S-I-N-C-U-P-P dot com. When my family was looking to switch and save on our insurance, we turned to Amy. So you can do the same for your business. Again, that's South Carolina native, local agent, Amy Mason Cup. Her office is at 612 St. Andrews Road, Suite 4 in Columbia, just off of I-26, St. Andrews at Ashland Park Plaza. 803-772-5554, amymasoncup.com. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. More from Beamer next on 107.5 The Game. It's the Cape Cod Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs. Founded by Firemen with Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell, and Tyler Head. On your home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. And welcome back into the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs here on 107.5 Game. Tyler, Wes, and Chris. Along with you on this Wednesday morning, uh, Chris kind of teased this. In the last segment there, we do have some more audio from Shane Beamer talking about some rule changes in regards to recruiting as far as official visits go, uh, so on and so forth. And I'm going to play this piece of sound. And on the back end, he also talks a little bit about the rule changes coming up for the 2023 college football season as well. So, again, here's what Beamer had to say in regards to the rule changes at last night's Welcome Home event. I'm not a fan of the unlimited official visits. I mean, I think by the time official visits come around, guys, prospects got it narrowed down. They they know the three, four, five schools. I mean, we had guys that signed with us that took one official visit or two official visits. Um, and it, it gets tiresome, I think, for the players as well, taking official visits. And then uh, if you're taking 10, you're missing days of school at some point and things like that as well. So I'm not a fan of that. That one kind of came out of nowhere. There wasn't a lot of discussion that we had as coaches or administrators about that one. 
Um, and then some of the rules to the our changes to the rules of the game and things like that. Those are things that we, you know, talked a little bit about. Um, I guess it would have been back in February at SEC head coaches meetings in Birmingham. I don't think it's going to affect it too much as far as my role goes. I mean, it's still going to, clock's still going to stop in the last two minutes and all that as well. And, and that's really, from my standpoint, where you really become even more cognizant of the clock. I hate the new rules. Both of them, or all those that he mentioned? All those that he mentioned. Um, the clock one is the one that bothers me the most. I agree. I mean, h- how long has this been a rule? Like, for as long as I can remember. It was, I think it was in like the 70s when they made that rule that the clock stops on first down. Yeah, so, so it's, my, been a, it's been a long so time. Our entire lives, for everybody here, that's been the case. Clock stops on a first down. And. You know, okay, this whole thing of, oh, it's going to be like this with two minutes left. Two minutes is not your come from behind, go win a game time. To me, the last five or six minutes becomes game, you know, go win the game. Like, this is this is when that could affect everything. Really, once you get down into two minutes, um, I mean, we're talking, we're really, really late in the game at this point. So, I... I you you already yes college football games are long, and I've actually enjoyed the pace of play changes to to MLB to baseball. But you're still having nine innings. You're still have three outs per inning. Like it doesn't actually change the amount of time that you're playing the game. This will lead to less snaps per football game. You're getting less football, and they're still going to jam. The, the red hat guy is still going to be on the field with the DJ playing music, with you waiting, and it's yeah. still going to be disjointed as ever. The commercial breaks aren't getting any shorter. Exactly. So I'm not here for shorter time periods if it means the commercials are still going to be exactly the same. And so less snaps, it actually changes the way the game is going to be played. So I'm not a fan of that. That the five official visits thing, like of, of all the things we could be fixing in college <laughs> athletics, this is where we decided to spend our time to to add additional official visits. But what, what sense does that even make? Who, which recruits, which recruits have truly sat there and needed additional official visits? Very small percentage. And, you know, may, maybe you can have something in there where if a guy leaves, it, you know, if a coach leaves, I mean, you know, and you've taken your five or if you don't sign in the early signing period because of some circumstances, you can take additional ones, you know, in January. I'm here for that. I, I get it. But you don't need 10 official visits to figure out where you're going. Yeah, I, I don't think so either. I, I mean, the the odd thing about this is that they have not increased the amount of official visits that a school gets, right? So you still get 56 visits in a given recruiting cycle, official visits to use, meaning you can pay for that recruit, you can pay for up to two of their family members. There's other little small rules in there as to what you, exactly you can pay for and how. But they haven't changed that. So... Uh, 
I think logistically it could make it tougher. Some schools, typically schools don't use all 56 official visits. So I think there's some instances in which this might be helpful, but it's like a, I don't want to say a 1%. It's a very small percentage. The first thing that came to my mind is there's this, there's this linebacker from the state of Mississippi, Jamonte Waller, four-star, that South Carolina's had on campus before. And he's got four official visits set for this summer. And he's considering a fifth. And he's got about four schools he's considering for the fifth and South Carolina's one. So for a guy like that, if he's legitimately interested, if he's been on your campus before, if he's made the trip from Mississippi where he's from unofficially, maybe if he takes six or seven, that helps you a little bit. But other than that, it just seems kind of pointless. And Matt Zenitz from On3 great national reporter last month he actually put together a piece where he talked to some staffers and you know directors of player personnel in the ACC the SEC the Big 10 the Big 10 staffer had some very strong thoughts everybody had pretty strong thoughts but he said he called the rule ridiculous said it further shows there's nobody who works in football that sits on these committees i think if you surveyed 100 people 99% would say the rule is stupid. And so it just does Tell it, us how you really feel. Yeah, I mean, it just doesn't seem... And, and some of the other ones pointed out, like, you know, if you're going to have to be a little bit more careful about who you bring in. Again, a lot of times as a recruiting staff, you do have extra visits, even, even though, you know, they're still limiting you to the 56 and it's unlimited for the prospecting, take 10, 15, 20, heck, 20, if you could somehow find a way to do that. You know, you still are limited... You typically have some, but you still will have to be more careful. And not even because of that number, I don't think, guys. I think just more of just like the wasted time. Like you're going to have to decipher, okay, this guy's interested in us. Or you're going to have to decipher, this is just a free trip. But I agree with you, Wes. Instead of doing this, make some changes to allow for more family members to be able to come on the trip and have things paid for. Do do something like that. Figure out NIL. Do something else besides this. What What, what, what problem are we fixing? That's what I want to know. No, no. What, what issue did this change rectify? I, 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 don't, I don't get it. I don't understand it. It's a waste of time. It's, it's stupid. I agree with the, I don't really agree with the Big Ten guys very often, but <laughs> nameless Big Tenner, I agree with you, buddy. I'm sure you're not listening. But, um, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't really understand. I don't get it. Um, now, now are guys going to be like, hey, I was going to take an unofficial – to this school, but coach, I need you to pay. For, like, I'm gonna, that, I'm gonna make. I yes. have, I have unlimited. What? Why would I take a trip? Yeah. If I'm way out of state, when I can just be like, no, you guys got to pay for. And it. that's where the number, the 56 number, that's where that could come into play more because a lot of times you hear coaches say, and you see this progression, right? Like you'll get a guy in maybe for the spring or for like one of those January or February junior days as an underclassman, then maybe you get him back like for the spring, then you get him in on their official during the summer or during the season. You might have some guys that are farther away just waiting and saying, no, nah, I'll wait till the summer and take an official, you know, and then you're kind of might end up wasting some time with that guy. Well, and even, even in the case of Waller, man, if I, if, if the guy is having to decide among four or five schools to see if I even get a fifth official, 
chances of landing that player yeah. are very, very, very little. Yep. Now, could there be some scenarios? We see this all the time. There are scenarios where a school will hang in there, and then one by one, maybe this school isn't as high on the player. School B fills up at his position. School C loses a coach. Like, we've seen Carolina land guys where maybe you're just kind of the one that sticks around and hangs in there and runs it like a marathon. But if I'm sixth or seventh, I'm I'm not landing that player 99 out of 100 times, I think. All right, come back on the other side, wrap up today's edition of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Talking a little bit more about these Power 5 buyouts in the article Chris and I were talking about yesterday. We'll be right back. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. 107.5, the game. Once again, want to congratulate all those new graduates out there. If you have a new graduate in your family, it is a perfect time to get their diploma framed. And the perfect place to do that is Gold Line Framing, owned by Kendall Walsh, managed by Johnny James. They're at 511 12th Street, West Columbia, South Carolina. They're offering custom framing, a gallery, gifts. Um, you know, if you're a Gamecock fan, maybe you got a great photo or even a signed um, photo from Garnet Trust. Uh, they can frame that for you. 803-739-1337 is how you call them. You can shoot them an email, goldlineframingsc at gmail.com or find them on Instagram at goldlineframingsc. In business, over 20 years, they are open Tuesday to Friday. That's 10 a.m. to 5.30 p.m. Open Saturday, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. From diplomas to original artwork, canvases, jerseys, flags, they can help with all your custom framing needs. Again, Gold Line Framing in West Columbia, South Carolina. We're talking about buyouts on the other side here on 107 by the game. All right. Presented by Firehouse Subs. Founded by Firemen. With Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell, and Tyler Head. On your home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. And welcome back into the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs. Here on 107.5 The Game. Tyler, Wes, and Chris along with you for a few more minutes. We're turning it over to the halftime show with uh, Jay and Terry. Wes brought this article to our attention the other day from On3 and uh, Andy Wittry. Uh, involving the Power 5 programs and how much they spent on buyouts in the 2021-2022 fiscal year. Chris and I talked about this a little bit yesterday, but Wes, since uh, you're the one that brought this up, want to get your thoughts on it as well because, you know, $90 million in total combined between 52 public Power 5 institutions on buyouts alone just for football is uh, quite an astonishing number. It is. Uh, credit where it's due. Chris brought that up. I didn't bring that up. So uh, we'll give credit to Chris. Okay. Uh, sorry, Chris. Yeah, trying I'm, to. I'm not offended. It's no, he, Chris is very much offended. <laughs> you know, we're, we're on a group text. Sometimes I don't look at the name. I'm just, you yeah, know. Yeah, no, sorry. You just you automatically just, credit Wes then. I see how it is. <laughs> you just like those Gamecock fans out there that <laughs> call Chris Wes and call me Chris. And th- actually, some of them think we're the same person. I won't lie. It took me a, a couple, like, weeks to figure that out myself. Weeks. Or wow. a couple days. Okay, it's so all good. It's all good. It well, the 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 point that we were making yesterday, Wes, is like South Carolina had a good run on the buyouts, right? Because you think about the stability they had in football. Um, the last two football coaches before Will Muschamp, who did get a really nice and very expensive buyout, Lou Holtz, who walked away, and then mm-hmm. Steve Spurrier, who coached not only a long time but also walked away. 
that you compare that to like um, I think I said Tennessee yesterday, right, Tyler? Mm-hmm. They had like eighteen football coaches in that same span and had to pay all of them a whole bunch of money when they had to fire them. Um, the Muschamp buyout was obviously painful for everybody, especially because of when it happened, right? Like you fire them in the middle of COVID, and that's a time where your revenues are obviously not very good. But not only that, but even basketball, Wes, you know, you, you did have to pay a smallish buyout for Darren Horn. Um, but it's not like you cycled through six coaches that all had these big high price buyouts. You, you had to fire Darren Horn. Frank Martin was around for, again, he was around for a long time. You did have to pay him a buyout of $3 million. And so now you've gotten up there in terms of what you've had to pay out to these coaches. And, and I think, um, like you look at the buyout figures nationally, they're huge, as that article indicates. And athletics departments, they're bringing in, I would say, more money than ever, right? The revenues, the profits. But they're also having to pay for more. I mean, the NCAA is being kind of forced to pay for more things. We're seeing the Austin Awards, which have been, um, you know, voluntary, right? But schools feel like they have to do them. Then you're seeing mental health initiatives and insurance and uh, paying for tuition, you know, after guys leave. So they're, they're having to make, they're going to have to make some decisions. Austin Awards is where you can reward a player financially for great grades. The right? academic performance, yep. If you had given me a hundred guesses and you said, who reported spending the most on football buyouts last year? So July 1, 2021 through June 30th, 2022, I wouldn't have gotten it right. Did y'all talk about this yesterday? Mm-hmm. Who who had the highest? We talked about it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, Florida, I would have said yes. <laughs> sure. Of course. Auburn being on here, absolutely. They're paying buyouts. Like I'm surprised they're not. They perennially one. <laughs> I'm sure they actually are. Like they they pay buyouts all. The fact that it's only seven point eight mil is a minor miracle. I think. <laughs> I figured. I figured they're still playing paying Chiswick. Yeah, on the planes they love to pay buyouts. <laughs> Texas, yeah. Um, Virginia Tech, I guess that makes sense. But Washington paying seventeen mil, give or take. Uh, couple tens of thousands of dollars in there <laughs> that's second highest reported single season ever behind florida state which not a surprise either that was from the fiscal year of 2019 to 2020 but washington that caught me off guard reading and, this and pretty much 10 million of that is jimmy lake yeah who got fired in his second year which and i don't remember all the details when this happened but he got suspended for slapping the player but they still weren't able to fire him with cause a week later. That's like, they could have saved themselves a lot of money if they would have fired him with cause here, but that's a bulk of that $17 million is what his buyout was. Did did we ever find out why? Like, it was just reported they terminated him without cause. Now, he did have a, a, what you call, he had the provision in the contract where basically is subtracted whatever he makes in his new job. Right. But yeah, nine point nine million paid in monthly installments through January twenty twenty five. For getting fired, not not just getting fired of like, man, we hate to do this. Right. <laughs> it's it's just strictly wins and losses, like fired under those circumstances. But wait, maybe they just didn't want to get embroiled in a legal battle, which pretty much if, if you fire a coach with cause, you're getting sued. It's gonna happen. Even if it's pretty obvious. But wouldn't it be cheaper than 
Probably. 9.9 mil? You would think so. Yeah, you would think. There, but. but So you can just throw away $10 million to avoid that, but we there's no money to pay players, Wes. Can't do it. True. Can't do any revenue. But at least we fixed that official visit issue <laughs> about them not being able to take more than five. At least we fixed that. Yeah, doing all sorts of good things over here. That's right. Solving all the world's problems one day at a time here on the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs. We'll be back tomorrow to hopefully solve more of them. Halftime show with Jay and Terry coming up next here on 107.5 The Game.